So today, as part of our podcast series, which is powered by Upside Global, we have the honor to interview Jake George Schuster, the CEO of Gemini Sports Analytics, a new data science as a service company. They're making data analytics accessible. So Jake, welcome to the show. Thank you, Julian. Great. So Jake, so what I wanted to talk to you about today was first uh, talk about your background and then your company and the work that you're doing with the teams. And then we'll touch on your product and the benefits for the teams to use your solution. And finally, we'll talk about your plans for the next 12 months. How does it sound? Perfect. Great. So can you maybe start by telling us about your background and how you got the idea of starting your company? Absolutely. You know, the first thing that you should know about me and my background is that I am not a data scientist, nor do I play one on television. Um, I'm, I'm a person who sees a problem and a solution in an industry and knows the right people who can, who can bring it there. Um, my background is, is uh, strength and conditioning. Uh, my PhD work is in biomechanics. Um, I, I moved into sports science and technology uh, rel relatively recently in my career. Um, I was fortunate to work on the strength conditioning side uh, in professional rugby and Olympic yeah. sports in, in the NCAA um, and overseas um, for, for the better part of a decade. Um, and then I burned out. I traveled too much. I saw, you know, I saw too many different sports and too many different experiences and I burned out and I realized that um, I was ready to be my own boss. And, uh, you know, I had I had the great fortune of building an incredible network uh, during my travels um, and in my travels, I saw patterns. And what I saw was that people were really dissatisfied um, with the tools that they did or didn't have in their hands uh, to work with data. And we all know how much data teams are collecting. We hear about it on, on TV every day. Um, but there's there's a real frustration where teams want to do more with data. And you know, it's awesome that teams are hiring so many data scientists. It's, it's really moving things forward. But yeah. hiring more and more and more data scientists would be kind of like asking you know, Henry Ford for a faster horse, right? There's a huge gap that we notice where there's a lot of people working with data or being, you know, data driven, so to speak, um, but they don't have any tools in their hands to work with that data. So they need something that's complementary to the data scientists and makes, makes the lives easier for those data scientists, but also allows non-data scientists to work with data. So uh, yeah, I want to I touch on what you just said. Uh, one other thing that, one of the patterns that I've seen, there was this one NHL team a well-known national team. They, they had a, you know, a athletic trainer, a head of strength and conditioning. They hired an intern, right, uh, to go and try to help them to analyze the data. And guess what? That, that team, which was in the Bay Area, you know, the intern ended up leaving to work for a big tech company. So now yeah. they no longer had a sports scientist, I mean, anybody to analyze the data. So they were back to square one. Is that some of the thing that you've seen as well with some of the team that you talked to? Without question, in fact, I'd say one of the iconic figures in sports analytics has, has remarked to us that uh, they notice as, as much firepower as many of these data departments have, they're, they're sometimes dysfunctional. And, and that's not because they're not trying hard, but because they've got so much talent that, you know, uh, politics ensue and, and the great ones don't last long. They'll move up to a bigger job or move out into tech after just a few years, especially because working in sports is pretty stressful um, yeah. and often doesn't pay as well as tech. So yeah. again, you know, we, we love data scientists. We work with data scientists. We have data scientists, but um, just adding more and more and more of them isn't the answer. I mean, um, this, this concept has been co-founded by Jose Fernandez, who had, uh, you know, a couple dozen data scientists and developers working for him at the Astros, and he saw this problem. 
Yeah, so that's how you came up with the idea, basically. Yeah, just always talking to the smartest people I knew in the industry who, who observed this problem and, and said, hey, we should find a solution. Yeah, uh, so that's how you, you basically launched the company. Um, so is scientific evidence important for you as a company? It might be the most important thing. Um, I, I think one of the scariest things that, that we see um, and that, that inspired us was that, um, look, uh, I wouldn't ever want to bad, badmouth competitors, but we see companies out there making big claims. Oh, we yeah. see them selling black boxes and black boxes are just wrong. I mean, I think one of the most exciting things that we can do to move the industry forward is, is building transparency into our models because that enables coaches and other stakeholders to understand how predictions are made and understand which variables affect different factors and help to minimize risk or make better decisions. And when companies are selling black boxes or concierge services, um, they're, you know, it's almost like a personal trainer who wants their client to get fat if they skip a few sessions so that they need them. We, we think the opposite way. We want to put a tool into users' hands so that they have it and that they love using it themselves. Yeah, what, so that, that remind, what you just said about the black box, that's interesting because and I, I won't name the company or the company specifically, but one thing that I've heard from the teams was, hey, they've used this platform, let's just call it an analytic platform. And the vendors say, look, we can do this and this and this. So they ended up over-promising what they could do, right? They just say in terms of injury prevention or assessment. And the teams were kind of disappointed. Uh, but then on the other hand, I've seen companies that uh, tend to automate everything with AI and the feedback from the team that I got from those companies, and again, I won't say who that is, is that they were getting flags and alerts. Let's say 12 <laughs> players getting flagged all the time, and then all of a sudden, you know, it, it impacts their workflow, right? They yeah. gotta go check yeah. on 12 guys, and that's yeah, that, it's not super productive, right? Yeah, Julian, we might be thinking of the same story where you know there's there's a group of, of NHL players that played for one specific team about 10 years ago when mm -hmm. the first monitoring technology came into hockey. And that technology was was black box. And I understand why that one is, but it was black box. And it just kept telling them all, your injury risk is, is elevated. And so they all got paranoid and they don't want to use wearables anymore um, because of that experience. And not everything can be open source and not everyone can stop every day and understand why something is happening. But look, you know, it's just a fundamental value of ours. I mean, you know, I didn't even go full time on this venture until we had published multiple papers showing our data models and, and showing what they can do because um, you, you just have to be academically backed and, you know, academia has many, many flaws. Um, uh, but our work in that space shows that, that uh, being objective about what you can do matters and, and understanding how your models are performing matters. I mean, um, you know, we were talking the other day on Twitter about how a, a data model that's performing average, but has a great data set and is helping you make decisions and is easier and faster to, to uh, deploy is better than something that takes you a year to build and is finally 99% accurate. Yeah, so a quick comment on that. Um, some of the issue that I've heard from team is that some of those, let's just say algorithms, right? Algorithm to assess and even predict the risk of injuries. Sometimes they don't take into consideration the, um, the, the, the athlete itself. Like it doesn't understand necessarily what is the baseline for each player. Uh, you know, yes. Is that an, an issue that you've seen as well? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, historical data is so important. And look, it's one of the biggest challenges that every team's going to face, right, is they have very thin data sets and very unbalanced data sets. 
Um, yeah. and, and it's hard to, to be predictive with that. Fortunately, machine learning, you know, has evolved a lot recently. It's a young field. I mean, I think XGBoost data model is only seven years old. Um, you know, and de determining causality is going to be a big challenge because uh, MLT techniques don't necessarily study that. Um, but the more data that teams can aggregate, the better. Um, and while it's not feasible for it to be our value prop from day one, I do think that eventually teams will want to, uh, you know, tap into aggregated data uh, from many, many, many different customers and see if there's a kind of snowball there um, that can be collaborated, collaborated on. Yeah, so, in re so on that point, could you tell me more about your product and how it benefits the teams? But more importantly, how, how it's different? What, what, what are your key differentiators compared to the other platforms to uh, assess injuries and so on? Sure. So, so our, our web application is a is a coding-free predictive analytics environment. And what we mean by that is it's a dedicated platform where a user that does not write computer code can go in uh, and, and perform data science without relying on a data scientist. Um, and that doesn't exist in the sports field. It exists in generic uh, automated machine learning um, products out there, but there's nothing built specifically for sports. Um, and we've actually, we're building our platform on uh, what we think is the best generic platform out there, data robot. So our, our computing power and our, and our machine learning power is built on something that's trusted by Goldman Sachs and General Electric and the U.S. Navy. And it's got the cloud power of Snowflake, which is the best in class out there for that functionality. Um, there are platforms that are offering analytics services, um, but nothing that is a tool in the user's hands. And so... I understand it's been used by, you know, in the banking industry, by Goldman Sachs and so on. When it comes to sports, does your platform ab is able to understand the baseline of each uh, athletes, right? When they go beyond a certain norm. And also, are you guys trying to analyze the load? Uh, can you predict if a player is overtraining? Uh, how far do you guys go as far as the analysis and how do you do it? And what are you looking at? Or are you maybe looking at everything, the sleep, the load, uh, you know, the, everything? Absolutely, Julian. And to be clear, it's not a matter of what we can predict. It's, what a, <clears throat> it's a matter of what, of what teams can predict using our tool with their data sets. So, yeah. you know, a data model is only as good as, as what you feed it, as what, yeah. what you ingest. Um, and so there will be plenty of cases where teams don't have the data that they need to answer certain questions. Fortunately, teams have a lot of questions, so there's a lot of value to add anyways, especially with publicly available data. And I think, I think you know, understandably so, a lot of teams are just overwhelmed by the data out there and they're missing a lot of opportunities where, I mean, we published something using completely publicly available data on MBA injuries that was, we think, pretty interesting. So when you ingest that and make that available to people to supplement with their own data, then you have something that you can work with. Um, no, that's not even needed, really. Um, yeah, I think I understand. Sorry, so, I lost my train of thought. <laughs> yeah, that's okay. Um, could you, is that, without naming a team, right, a specific team, but could you give me some examples of maybe of a team that used your platform and what types of impact has it had on, you know, being able to maybe flag potential injuries or can you touch on maybe examples of teams that use your platform and what the impact was? Without yeah, me. absolutely. Absolutely. And, 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 you know, you're asking about use cases earlier, and it's important to understand that 
you know, while we start with one use case, two use cases, five use cases, uh, this platform is designed so that it can ingest any kind of question, handle any kind of question that's a, of a predictive nature, working yeah. with sports data. Um, so it's anything involving the acquisition, development, and management of athletes, as well as tactics uh, and, and technical strategies for, for how a team wants to approach competition. Um, so our, our first three customers, what we're calling our, our private beta, uh, yeah. where we're really working with friends, getting a lot of feedback, iterating as we launch later this year, um, are in the NFL, the NBA, and European soccer. Um, yeah. And the use cases in order are load management, so how to decide uh, which players need to rest and what kind of rest they need midweek in between NFL yeah. games. Um, in the NBA, it's around lineup optimization, so how do you match up against upcoming opponents? Yeah. Um, and in, in soccer, it's it's the obvious one. It's scouting. So when you've got a 45,000 person uh, scouting database, that's a lot to ingest uh, with one data scientist. So making that available and then seeing, you know, what players fit their playing style and, and who could increase in value the most over upcoming years. Because unless you're Manchester City or Bayern Munich, chances are that your business model as a team revolves around buying players at a low valuation and selling them at a higher valuation. And that scouting question will apply to many sports, but we're starting with that in soccer. Mm -hmm. That makes sense. So I think you're, uh, from what I can hear, you guys are very flexible in terms of enabling different use cases, right? You talk about scouting, you talk about analyzing load management, you talk about different things, which I think is great that you have flexibility, right? I think we have to be. And I think what's interesting is, is although there are many different questions to tackle, there's not that many, right? Everyone wants the right or the best athletes on their team for the best value. Everyone wants to develop them to their potential along the most economical plan. Everyone, everyone wants to decide how to manage their athletes and keep them healthy and have them performing their best. And everyone wants to play the smartest tactics with the best matchups. Yeah, well, you know what you said, it kind of reminds me of the movie Moneyball, right? It's one of my favorite movie, Moneyball with Brad Pitt. And uh, uh, he... that's the easiest way to explain this to a layman. This is a sports podcast, but when I speak to investors, uh, that's a common response. <laughs> I mean, it's a, it's a great movie. I mean, the, basically the, uh, the A's, right? They had a very little budget and they had to compete against the Yankees. So, you know, they came up with this new idea of using analytics to really try to, you know, reconstruct uh, a Jambi and, and, you know, top players, right? Which I think was, uh, you know, they were a pioneer. And then all the other teams, just, you know, did the same thing after that, right? The Red Sox and everybody else. Exactly. Exactly. It's a big inspiration for sure, Julian. And, and you know, if we use the baseball analogy with nine innings, um, Moneyball was the first inning, right? And I, I think the second inning, you know, has come over the last decade or so. And, and the work that teams like the Astros and, and the Houston Rockets with Daryl Morey, you know, the Sixers have done. Um, Shane Battier, another pioneer in this space, said to us that he thinks right now we're in the third inning, right? Where, you know, Teams, teams are, are doing math, right? They're, 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 hiring, they're hiring the computer people. And, and now we need to put those computers in the hands of people who are not computer people. And we need to allow them to make decisions. Yeah. Uh, can you go back a little bit about what you just said about enabling use, new different use cases? My question is, because of, you guys can do different things, where do you see, where do you fit into the sports tech ecosystem? Because you're not a typical AMS, you're not. Um, you're not even an AMS system. So where do you, how do you characterize yourself and where do you fit into the sports tech, uh, the sports tech ecosystem? Well, I appreciate the opportunity to clear that one up because we are definitely not an AMS. We have many friends that, that you know, work at or run AMS companies and we see ourselves as very complimentary to them. 
Yeah. It's similar to the consumer packaged goods industry where you have IMS or inventory management systems, and then you have analytics tools built on top of that. Um, and, and, you know, we, we want to be friends with every AMS company and build integrations with them because the more organized the team is in terms of its databasing, the easier mm -hmm. it will be for them to integrate with our platform or, or start using our platform. Um, you yeah. know, so in terms of the ecosystem, look, this is a blue sky market. No one has, has done exactly what, what we are doing now. Mm -hmm. um, so when you talk about use cases, um, I think it will be where the market takes us. We're extremely young. Um, you know, we, we have to walk before we can run. We refuse to go to market uh, before we build a product that we're really proud of. Um, you know, all of our founders and all of our founding group know firsthand um, how jaded we are as an industry with, with dissatisfying software. So we're not going to release something just to put it out there and hope that people buy it. We're going to make sure that it's something that we, we would use ourselves and that we love and that we're really proud of. So, um, you know, long answer made longer. I think I think our place in the market will be determined by demand. So if, if uh, scouting is, is a huge use case, mm -hmm. we'll probably, you know, pivot into that. Uh, and, and then over the following year, build out the more athlete management and load management use cases. Um, and maybe it goes the other way around. We'll see. Yeah, and, and you know, so uh, we'll bring the, a question for me. Like I work in the product management space I work with the engineers and customers for the past 10 years. And, you know, I think it's always good to kind of identify what are the top use cases, let's say your top three use cases, right? But you don't want to go and try to build custom features for everybody. You have to really identify the top use cases so you can build your features around that. But you don't want to go down the rabbit hole of customizing everything for everybody. You know what I mean? Oh, you've hit the nail on the head. And, and fortunately, you know, I've just gone through a solid six months grind of, of raising venture capital, uh, which we're extremely excited about that, that wouldn't have never happened if we were trying to build a consulting firm. Right. And, mm -hmm. and there is a place in the world for consulting firms and, and the teams that can afford them. Um, but building something scalable, you know, personally is more appealing to me because what fulfills me is, is feeling like I can move an industry forward, an industry that's given me a career, right? And, mm -hmm. and I don't wanna help 20 of my friends, I wanna help 200 of my friends. Um, so, you know, we have to have guardrails. And, and right now we're working in this paradox where we're really excited that we have so many people that we can call and ask questions about and get feedback on and find out what they want us to build. Um, but 20 people might have 20 different answers. And so we have to stick to our mission and, and know that, you know, again, coming back to that cliche, um, people would have told Henry Ford that they wanted faster horses, right? He came up with the idea for a car. Um, so we have to say, hey, we're building a car. What kind of car do you want? Yeah, uh, that makes sense. Um, going back to your, your platform. So uh, I understand that you've got, I think, some maybe some sports scientists or people from the industry. Are you getting feedback? So how did your team build or is building the intelligence on your platform? What's the process for that? In terms of the infrastructure and the software development? Yeah. <clears throat> development? Yeah. yeah. Um, so we're lucky that a lot of the infrastructure is already in place in terms of the cloud and the computing through Snowflake and DataRobot. Really mm -hmm. for our, our, our version one, it's about creating the, the user interface. Um, and and that's, that's through interview after interview with, with future users and finding out exactly what they need. And, yeah. You know, just just how many buttons they want, but not too many. Yeah, that makes sense. Uh, I think we touched on that a little bit about your, your differentiators, but um, if you had to summarize, right? So what would you tell a team as far as your differentiators, right? And I understand you guys, you guys can sit on top of an AMS platform that's a Kitman or Kinduct 
and, and come in and try to help them better analyze the data, right? Uh, which is nice because you're complementary, right? Uh, so how would you summarize your key differentiators against you know, any of the companies out there? We're a dedicated analytics platform. We are we refuse to be a mile wide and an inch deep. Instead, we are going all in on analytics, and that's what we offer. We're not dashboarding. We're not data visualization. We're data analytics. And most importantly, we put a tool in your hands. You don't rely on us for anything. There's no third party. You don't have to wait for us to run a model and get back to you. We're putting the models in your hands, and you get to do it yourself. Okay. So it's very easy to use for people that are not super tech savvy, they don't know how to code, they can just use your, your tools and, and do it that way. Everyone who's a part of this company has been stuck with technology in their hands that was too difficult to use and they ended up putting away. So we know how easy this has to be to use and we know how clean the interface has to be. Yeah, I understand. Uh, can you maybe now touch on your business model, right? And I understand you guys are early, you're talking to different teams, uh, so can you tell about your business model? How do you guys intend to make money? Is it, a, uh, um, I would say, uh, they have to pay an annual licensing fee. Maybe it's a fee per month, depending on the number of users. What is your business model, if, if you may talk about that? Yeah, of course. So, so we're a SaaS product. It's software as a service uh, based on an annual subscription. Um, yeah. You know, to, and to be frank, this is one of the joys of, of, of an early stage company is we, we haven't decided if we're going to scale pricing based on, on uh, users or based on uh, the scale of the data ingested. You know, we're going to have a lot of internal analytics based on kind of how many queries are you running and how much data do you process through our, our cloud systems and, and all of those types of factors. Um, so if, if there's a super user, they might end up um, you know, they, they might end up paying a little bit more, um, but most of our, our revenue will just be based on a, on a flat annual subscri subscription fee. Um, and then and then some of the kind of add-ons or the a la carte will come from, from additional APIs where, you know, we're proactively offering the, the most important data ingestion uh, methods that, that teams are going to want to make it automated. So um, you go and you log into your Catapult account through our platform and then catapult every single time you push something through is just ending up straight in your in your database through the Gemini web application. Um, yeah. But then when we run into a baseball team that wants TrackMan or we run into, uh, you know, basketball needs second spectrum and things like that, um, we're going to build those on as we go, of course, as we add to our, you know, to our customer base in early days. And, and what's cool about that is eventually we'll just have a snowball of, of a big, big menu of offerings. It'll be like yeah. the Cheesecake Factory when you just have that whole stack and you don't know what to choose from. That makes sense. So I've seen, for example, and you guys are not AMS platform, but I've seen some AMS platforms. Some of them have a hundred APIs that they can integrate into. And I know you guys are early, right? Right now, as we speak, do you have less than 10 APIs you can integrate to, or is it flexible? Uh, we have more than that uh, as, okay. of, as of our public launch, Julian. I think what's really important to understand about that is not all APIs are created equal. Um, and, and you know, being able to access a couple of the uh, data points from a data source is not the same as being able to access all of them. Um, and we are going for quality over quantity because most yeah. teams are using, you know, the same few data sources to do their work. Um, we're very fortunate. I'm, I'm, I'm going to give one shout out to our, our lead software developer, Chandler Evans. Uh, we were fortunate to, uh, to get from the Astros who built all their APIs for their system. That's great. That's great. So uh, last question. 
what are your plans for the next 12 months? I understand you guys raised some, some money recently, but uh, what are your, your, your goals that you're trying to achieve this year? Probably. So the next 12 months, Julian, we're going to build our product. We're going to launch it. We're going to make our first dozen customers very, very happy. The way we're going to do that is, is by measuring twice and cutting once and by moving slowly now so that we can move fast later. That makes sense. And, and as far as the, the, the different types of leagues and sport that you're trying to target, you guys are agnostic, right? You don't have any preferences. You can work with basketball team, hockey teams, uh, maybe tennis players. Uh, you guys are pretty flexible, correct? That's absolutely the intention. Um, you know, the reality is there will be certain leagues that will adopt quicker. There will be certain ones that um, onboard a bit slower or have more bespoke demands. So we'll probably stay away from them or I should say move into their leagues a little bit slower. Um, yeah. But if you look at like the National Hockey League right now, um, they're upscaling analytics so fast that we know that they're excited about this. Whereas baseball, you know, baseball is probably the only league with more than one or two teams that probably don't need us right now. Eventually we'll have something built that they'll need, but right now they've, they've got a lot of firepower and, you know, the Dodgers, like they've got enough, the Red Sox, they've got enough. Um, but hockey, I, I think we could help every hockey team right now. So that will help guide our journey. I think. What about major league soccer teams? Because from my experience, they don't have, they're not always, and of course there are exceptions, but they're not always super strong when it comes to analytics, right? Yeah, I, I think, you know, it's a really important question, Julian, because I think that there's a, um, there's a bell curve, right? So if you, if you don't employ anyone that's working hands-on with data full-time, yeah. um, you're probably not ready for us. And, you know, part of that is we're not ready for you, right? You can't just take something if you have no data skills and pick it up out of the box. That, that, that's a utopic uh, concept. Um, yeah. So if you have 20 data scientists, you might not need us right now, though we could probably help. If you have zero data scientists, you're probably not ready for us. If you have between two and 10, that's probably a great place to be. Yeah, that makes sense. Um, and I tell you also, if I were in your shoes, because we do surveys and we know exactly what's the, what's the sports tech budget of every single team who take the survey, you probably want to focus on, on the leagues and the teams that have the most budget, right? Because... And I don't know yeah. if it's like pricing, but if you have a team that has a sports performance budget of $50,000 a year and they're already spending 30, 40K on their GPS systems, it's probably not worth your time, right? No, and it's such an interesting one, Julian, because I agree, we, we plan to go top down. Um, I know that there's, there's virtue or strategy in, in going in both directions, but um, you know, we're going to iterate our product with, with people that can really afford it to start. And yeah. then over the years, we'll be able to scale down to something that's leaner and, and more affordable. Um, you know, I, I personally think it's a little bit crazy that a lot of teams you know, might be dropping 30, 40K on, on a database subscription that they don't have the manpower to leverage. Yeah. Um, and, and I think we can help teams, uh, you know, trim that out a little bit, uh, as, as we integrate different pieces. Um, but that's probably a story for another podcast, you know, to all the, the recent questions uh, over the last few minutes, I think what's really fun about being this early and, and being a first time founder is that we can pivot, we can learn as we go. Yeah, you can definitely learn. I mean, one thing I would, I would tell you about the pricing strategy is I see more and more companies offering different modules at different prices. So you can start with a lower pricing package, right? And you can add more capabilities, but that allow you to get into some teams. And then as they upgrade with more capabilities, you can charge more, right? I see a lot of vendors. I, in them. 
I think that's great advice. And I think, you know, there are some teams, you know, it's one major question that we have right now is there are, there are some teams that they just want the painkiller of automated data preparation and ingestion. And there's some teams that want the vitamin of advanced predictive modeling. Uh, we're building both and we're offering both, but um, maybe just having, having one offering to start is, is, is enough to make a difference. Yep, absolutely. So I've got one last question, if I may. And I ask that question every time everybody on the podcast. You know, as you know, there's been a lot of attention around NFTs and the metaverse, especially the NFT space. So, and I see a, a, an upcoming trend of companies trying to take the, the player's data, maybe let's say statistical data, so that the players can have and launch their own NFTs you know, after each game, right? And they can monetize those NFTs based on their performance data. Uh, what is your take on this whole trend around NFTs and especially the in intersection between NFT and performance data? Well, that's an impossible question <clears throat> in a very fun way, because if I say, oh, we're all in on, on NFTs and Web3 and Metaverse, uh, then I'll, I'll make a bunch of people think that I'm hip and modern uh, yeah. and other people will roll their eyes. And if I say, I think that's a trend and I think it's Pokemon for adults, uh, then some people will say that I'm missing the cutting edge, right? So here's what I'd say is that we haven't found a functional use for those technologies yet. I think that they have a place in fan engagement and maybe fantasy and betting, uh, but it's not there for actual athlete performance or athlete facing, you know, data operations. Yeah. Um, what you did touch on that's really interesting is, is the tokenization or frankly, just the, the ownership of athlete data. Yeah. And um, we don't have a horse in this race, you know, right now, but I, I do see us positioning, uh, you know, deliberately for, upcoming battles that are going to take place around who owns that data and, and you know we want to work with leagues where yeah. we want players to go to their agents to go to their players unions to go to their league offices and say hey every team should have access to this product because it raises the standard of athlete care and it democratizes athlete data um and you know as it should yeah and it's funny you know in fact we, we just had a podcast last week with orico uh, sports data. Oh yeah, company. I, I, exactly. I, I, I know Nick Sprague quite well. He's a great guy. Yes, and that's exactly what they're doing. Uh, they're launching those NFTs that athletes, that's in the NBA, they can launch NFT uh, NFTs right after each game. It's based on their performance data. So and it, it they're well, working it, with the yeah. associations, NBA associations, and and other leagues. Yeah, so. yeah, it's a whole Pandora's box, right? It is where you know. I might get in trouble saying this, but like, I think athletes should own their data. I think it's absolutely crazy that when an athlete changes teams, they're the one who suffers because their data doesn't travel with them. Um, and, and someone's going to realize that and do something about it. Um, now, you know, for us, as we go to market, the most important thing is earning trust. And we've built in so many redundancies, Julian, you know, uh, decoupling our, our cloud uh, bucket in our architecture from the Amazon Web Services bucket in the hosting and making absolutely sure that, that you know, that customer data, that team data is extremely safe in our platform and extremely secure, yeah. um, both, both from us and from any other user. With that said, as time goes on, uh, this stuff has to become democratized. Yeah, I think I agree with you. Uh, it's a hot topic, but hopefully things will change, right, with the NBA and, and other leagues. So, um... Uh, look, we, we're at the end of the interview, but I want to thank you for your time. Uh, I enjoyed the conversation, so thank you. Thank you so much, Julian, and thanks for what you do for sports technology. Thank you.